0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses joined with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And people all over the world amazingly watch these uh, all over the world. It's great to have you with us. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. At Celebration Church, I want all y'all, all y'all to grab your phones, all right? I know none of you would dare bring your phones to church, but, you know, for those few who might have, at our campuses as well, get your little smartphone on there, and I want you to go where it says apps, okay? Obviously, if you've already done this, but uh, many have not. <laughs> there we go. So, you get your App. And I don't know what you do with non-iPhones, for those of you who have those inferior products. But uh, I'm sure you can figure out wherever you get them from. But an iPhone, you just go to the App Store, and type in Celebration Church. And then up will come a whole bunch of Celebration Churches. And what you want to do is pick the one that says Celebration Church WI, which stands for... Wisconsin all right and then oh boy is all this internet slowing down if you're on the church internet right now <laughs> holy moly you'll see celebration church you'll see this little little app and then download it to your phone all right this minus thinking on this incredibly slow internet and I'm going to go back to uh, just the cell phone signal. Ooh, now it's working. Okay, so now it's starting to download. Da 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 da. da. If you're sure on the church Wi-Fi, it may take you a while because everybody's on it at once. Anyway, there we go. Then you open that little rascal and allow Celebration Church to send you notifications. Press allow. All right? Only when using this app? No. Always allow. Okay. I'll explain to you in a minute why. Just say yes. It's not going to kill you. Then you get to page and it says select your campus. Now, this is how this works. If you're in Green Bay, you push Green Bay. If you're in Appleton, you push Appleton. If you're in Stevens Point, you push Stevens Point. Very complicated. Then you hit Next. Would you like to receive notifications? Yes. 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 All right. Create a profile, but you can skip that for now. And then you can see the services. You can give financial and all kinds of things. Now, the reason why I want everybody to do this is so that when... Uh, As we get into the winter, and like last winter was really crazy, and weather goes crazy, and everybody's going, we're going to have church today. We're going to have church. And everybody's calling. We're going to have church. Or you're watching the television for 30 minutes or listening to radio nonstop to hear about the closings. If you just say yes to this thing, we will send a notice to you Yes, there's church today, even though it's 75 degrees below zero, or whatever it is. Or no, there's not going to be church today because. We're all stuck in our garages or whatever the deal is. So you'll be able to see. And it'll be fun to start sending just little notifications. Hey, looking forward to seeing you guys this Sunday. I'm going to be talking about such and such or just little things. It's one way that we can all, I can communicate to all of you with one push of the button and then you all get the little thing. Comes across your screen. This is what's going on. All the information about the church, uh, calendar events, all can be found on that little app. And you can also give on that. Speaking of giving, Uh, I want to thank you all for being so uh, uh, generous to the church throughout the summer. Usually summers are brutal times, but you guys have been great, and thank you for that. And continue to be generous. And let me challenge you. One of the best things you can do that would help us is to be involved with recurring giving. Now, the way that works is you just make a decision. This is how much money I make every week or month or whatever, so we're going to give every whatever X amount of dollars. And then it's just automatic, and then you don't have to do anything when you're in the service. And it helps us in terms of not having to open up envelopes and stuff, it's not the end of the world, but it saves us money not having to do that. It just makes it a lot easier. Now this doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody has consistent income. If you're in that thing, then don't worry about it. Do what you normally do. I'm in that category. Mine goes, woo, 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 based on how many books and stuff people buy for me. Some years are great years. Other years are horrible years. But, uh, you know, whatever it is, then so I tend to give in chunks throughout the year. A lot of people like that. Some people can't even give really till the end of the year when they finally figure out because of their business of water how much money they actually made, and then they give a If that's you, then fine. But most people are not in there. Most people do have consistent income, and if you could just say, this, based on my income, this is what we give uh, every Sunday to our church, that would be a big help to us. And thank you for that. Now, put your phones away. All right. Uh, and things, by the way, I want to encourage you, keep uh, being involved in our 21 days of prayer. It's been a wonderful time, and God is touching people's hearts, and things are, are happening in an environment that you wouldn't normally see. Last week alone, 11 people committed their lives to Christ uh, while my son was preaching which is awesome. And as soon as I saw that, I went, it's because we're praying. It's because we're praying. I'll tell you, when you pray, things change. And continue to do that as we continue to watch what God does in people's lives. All right. This morning, reading from Ecclesiastes. This is a, a book written by King Solomon toward the end of his life. Solomon is an amazing historical character. And, uh, and his life was just, he's, he's the guy. God came to him and said, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. You know, uh, I just saw this Disney film the other day, Aladdin, you know, you got your little genie and stuff like that. So this is the one genie moment that God actually gave a person. Anything you ask, I'll give it to you. Thought, wow. And he thought about it, and he says, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom so i know what i'm doing because he's getting ready to become king he didn't know what he's doing and god was so impressed he says because you did not ask for all this other stuff i'm going to give it to you anyway so solomon got everything anyone could desire you would think this would be awesome right everything you can imagine all the wealth power wisdom knowledge man everything life is going to be good well let's take a look at what he has to say at the end of his life the words of the teacher, he calls himself the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. <laughs> meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything stinks. Meanliness. Why do, people get, why do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth, earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the seas never fall. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. And there's nothing new under the sun, not really. Is there anything to which one can say, look, there's something new? He's not talking about technology. He's just talking about life. Whatever's been done has been done before. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. Even those who yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. He is basically depressed. He basically is writing, life sucks. Which brings me to the title of my message today, The Frustration of the Human Condition. Now, mankind is in a bad place. And most people don't know why. I'm going to tell you why. We are created in the image of Almighty God. Almighty God is a triune being, but just one. So how's that even possible? Well, you're the same thing. We are literally made in the image of God. Three, one, we have a body, soul, mental, intellect, and spirit. We are little mini pictures of God. That's exactly what God did when he created us in his own image. It's one of the reasons that the devil hates people so badly. Just cannot stand us. Because we remind them of, guess who? God. So this is where God is. Now, the problem is, because of sin entering in the earth, it brought spiritual death. What death? We're not physically dead. No, I said spiritual death. Ever since Adam and Eve, you know, ate of the tree. And we do not know how long it was before they went and ate of the tree, based on their offspring, I'd say about 45 minutes. Anyway. It went, ate of the stupid tree, got us all in trouble. And then mankind, the Bible says, died spiritually. That spiritual part of us died. Every single human being that has been born since then is born, still born. Your body's alive, yes. Your intellect, for most of us, is alive. (laughs) But your spirit is dead as a doornail. And everybody, everybody in the world, no matter what culture, they can all tell. Something is wrong. There is something wrong in the human condition. It is because we are not complete. We are stillborn spiritually. We are spiritually dead. And mankind is trying to figure out how to fix this condition. And we're convinced this, that, and the other, and it will fix it. But it doesn't fix it. That's what Solomon writes about. Now, the first thing Solomon says, he said, Look, I said to myself, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much wisdom and knowledge then i applied myself to understanding of wisdom also of madness and folly but i learned that this too is a chasing after the wind for with much wisdom comes great enlightenment nay nay that's not what he says with much wisdom comes much sorrow the more knowledge the more grief clearly intellectual stimulation of your soul is not going to fix the death of your spirit Uh, and people think, that you know, yeah, if I just learn enough, read enough books, go to school enough, get enough education, that's going to fix. It doesn't fix. Now, there's good things to it, but don't fool ourselves. The, the, the human mind is in a bad place. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 or 3, verse 14, says that their minds were made dull. That's what happened to the human condition. It's like things aren't, we're not really seeing things the way they should. Second Corinthians says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. No matter how hard they try, they don't get it. They just don't get it. And that's why you're never going to convince people with an intellectual argument about God. It just doesn't work that way. The best statement you can make to people is to live a life worthy of replicating. When they see you and see the way you process them, I mean how does this work for you? Why do things go well? Why are you happy all the time? It's because I know Jesus. Don't get... You know, first of all, I don't don't, don't know what to say to people. I don't know all the answers in the Bible. So what? For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, nobody even had a Bible. All right? You don't need to know everything. The most basic, simple things. My life is better. I'm alive on the inside because of what Jesus has done in my life. You see, something miraculous happens when you come to Christ. That spirit part of you that is dead is touched, and it is brought back to life. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born again. Not physically, you're fine. Mentally, you're fine. Again, for most of us. But spiritually, you're dead as a doornail. When you come to Christ and he touches your spirit and you become alive, you literally become a whole person for the first time in your life. That's why people are so dramatic when they tell of their experience of faith. Some people, it's really dramatic. Others, not so much. But all will tell you, life is different. It's the reason why we sing the way we sing. It's why we celebrate. It's why we gather in churches. That's why we give money. It's why we commit ourselves because of what God has done in our lives. This is dramatic. This is life changing. All right? You can't figure it out on your own. Ephesians 4:18 says, "They are darkened in their understanding. They're not going to figure these things out on their own. Titus 1:15 says, "To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure." In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. In Ephesians, Paul says this, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of your thinking. What is he saying? Don't try to think everything. You're not going to think your way out of your troubles. All right? You need to come to God. The bottom line is human knowledge will not fix things for you. Getting enough education will not fix your life. Now, again, there's benefits to it. And there's wonderful things that science has done. It's amazing, some of the advances in medicine. Of course, a lot of that gets battled between the uh, interests of pharmaceutical companies. We all hear all these stories and stuff, all the nonsense that goes on. Science has been great uh, in, in medicine. It's been really amazing in understanding the laws of physics. And the beautiful thing about the laws of physics is they are laws. It works that way all the time, every time. The law of gravity. I I don't have to pray for it to work. I don't have to hope that it'll work. I step off this, I'm going down. It's just the way that it is. Now, if I start floating around, that would be very impressive, but not likely to happen, all right? Because it's a law. We understand these things. I'm a pilot. One of the things about flying is, aren't you afraid of it? No. Why? Because it's the law of physics. That, whatever aircraft uh, you are in, and in my case, whatever I was flying, It is designed, when you hit X amount of miles per hour, uh, some, you know, as little as 40 miles an hour, 67 miles an hour, some of the bigger ones, the bigger they are, the faster they gotta go. When they hit that point, they will fly. They will always fly. They have never, ever, ever not flown. The only time it will ever, is if there's a structural failure and the wing breaks or something falls off. Or if the engine more likely fails, and then all of a sudden they slow down and it'll drop like a rock. That's a bad day, all right? But if you hit X amount of dollars, it'll always, that's why even, uh, now, the big (laughs) jetliners, it's not so easy for them. But the smaller planes, like the ones I fly, the engines can go out and you just glide. You just point the nose out and you just keep speeding up and you you hit like that magic speed, whatever mile per hour it needs to be, and it'll keep flying. Now, eventually, you're gonna hit the ground. But that's when they teach you look for a flat place to land. Because you're gonna land. And you're up there you got time. It's not at the end, oh we're all gonna die. No, we're not gonna die. What do you do? We're coasting. And in my plan, it would take, you know, I forget how many minutes before the thing would even get to the ground. But you got a long time to figure it out. Uh that's why you want to be flying over, you know, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> or Nebraska, even worse. Oh, man. You, you land in Nebraska and, and you hit a tree, you're, you're supposed to die. I mean, that's just bad. There's, there's nothing there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the laws of physics. It always works. But you need to understand, things, especially you young people, listen to me. Escucha me. Everything in science is not based on the laws of physics. They're not all laws. Some of the things, they're just guessing. They're just guessing. They don't really know. And You have to put that in context. Um, And, you know, this, you know, is a big subject, so I'm bringing it up today. You know, everybody talks about, you know, climate change, you know, global warming and the world's going to end, la-de-la-de-la-de-la. And young people, you know, they're going to school and they're impressionable, and your teachers are telling you, we're all going to die in 10 years, and they get a little freaked out, you know. And they wonder why older people like me don't get freaked out. I'm going to tell you, okay? All of you, you know, that have been alive for a whole 20 years, wow, okay, listen to me for a minute. Listen to me, just for a minute, just open your mind just a little bit. Let me explain our personal experience so at least you can understand why we think the way we think, all right? In 1969, uh, a biologist by the, and I was in grade school or whatever, high school, uh, a, bio, a biologist by the name of Paul Ehrlich, uh, it was printed in the New York Times, warned that everybody was going to disappear in a cloud of blue steam in 20 years. That was 1969. Uh, that would have been 1989, which was all supposed to be gone. I think they were wrong. <laughs> he warned of a disastrous famine. Urged, urged our pol- uh, politicians that he needed to, and I quote: "Put sterilizing agents into staple foods and drinking water." He wanted to sterilize the entire American people so no one could have children because they. And it always comes to that. It. It's always humans' fault. The problem with humans. I even read. Yesterday, you know, young people are promising, we're not going to have children until they fix global warming, you know. It's, it's They always hate people. Who hates people? The devil hates people. He hates you. When you see genocide and death and disasters, people like, why did God do that? God didn't do that. There's somebody else at work. His name's the devil. And he's very, very real. And he hates the human condition and poisons people's minds. He hates all of us. Interesting how many of these guys are always wanting to erase people. So in 1970, you know, I'm in high school, the, global, the Boston Globe ran this headline, Scientists Now Predict a New Ice Age by the 21st Century. Oh, we're all going to freeze to death. Ice Age. Okay, we're from Wisconsin. We're familiar with the Ice Age because we're still living in part of it. All right, so. And the Washington Post published a Columbia University scientist claim that the world could be in as little, quote, as little as 50 or 60 years away from a disastrous new ice age, unquote. This is what we grew up. So you, you young people, when we were growing up, they told us we're all going to freeze to death. You got somebody, how do you remember this? There's going to be an ice age, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're oh, we're all going to freeze and ice age is coming back. All right. All right. Well, uh, 1974, Time Magazine, big article, suggested, quote, another ice age was imminent. Quote, telltale signs are everywhere. From the unexpected persistence and thickness of the pack ice in the waters around Iceland to the southern migration of the armadillos. <laughs> Seriously, the armadillos can tell an ice age is coming. I wish we were as smart as the armadillo. All another other, we're raised, this is after I graduated from high school, they're telling us An ice age is coming. Well, 1989 comes around, by the time we're all supposed to be in a puff of smoke by some people, a United Nations official warned that the entire nations are gonna be eliminated if the world did not act right away by the year 2000. Entire nations evaporated. I think they were wrong. In 2008, ABC released a video about what the world was gonna look like in 2015. The video warned about the rising sea levels, and a graphic showed significant portions of New York City engulfed by water by by, by 2015. It's 2019. The only water they have is when their sewers back up. All right, which is fairly often. That's the same time Al Gore predicted that the Arctic ice was going to completely disappear, completely disappear in seven years. Again, he was wrong. So when you young people, you see the adults are going. I don't know about this. It's not because we're stupid. So we've been listening to these people for the last fifty years, and they keep saying, "Now this is what fries my Puerto Rican pancakes," <laughs> whatever that means. We have been told all our lives that global changes took millions and millions and millions of years. Go. Study anything ice age. We've got an ice age trail actually here in Wisconsin and some of these little things. And they'll talk about how over millions of years, all oh, this ice came. And over millions of years, it went away. Millions of years for this to happen. Millions. So they've been pounding on us for, for how long now? About mil- so, you know, those of us who look at the Bible, you know, they say, well, it couldn't have been six days that God created the earth. So we're, oh, okay, we toss them a bone. You know, Maybe, okay, maybe maybe it was six gazillion ice ages. I don't know. I wasn't there, okay, despite my advanced age. I have no idea. <laughs> we don't care about that. All we argue is that God did it. However he did it, God did it. But if they're convinced it took millions and millions and millions of years, then okay, it was six gazillion years before all this came together. All we've heard. Is how many mil just how many millions of years did it take for the real grand to cut its way, you know, through the Grand Canyon? As <laughs> millions of years, now it's all going to happen in ten years. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to happen in five years. That's what they said the other day. Some of these nutcases. The whole world's going to be destroyed in five years if we don't change. You know, driving SUVs. Really? What happened to the millions of years? I don't understand it. And the other reason why people of faith have a hard time with this thinking. And some people believe it, fine, whatever. But we read the Bible. The Bible tells us how the world's going to end. And it's not because of that. In fact, when Jesus comes, we talk about we believe Jesus is going to come back, right? When he comes back, then there's going to be a thousand years of peace on this earth. So the world's not going to end for at least whenever Jesus comes back, plus plus a 1,000 years. So when they tell me it's going to all end in six years, I look at my Bible and go, I don't think so. That's all. So number one, they, they don't know. Scientists don't know everything, especially when it comes to weather. Well, well, computer models. Did you see the last, not the last hurricane, but the one before it. All the computer models. We can't argue with computer models. All the computer models said Southern Florida was going to be destroyed. Do you remember this? So, can you think for a week and a half back? This is a long time back there, all right? Clear your minds. <laughs> week and a half. All the computer models said Southern Florida was going to be destroyed. They were wrong. <gasps> what a shock. Why? There's so, there's so much stuff they can't even put in computers. What all oh, is going to happen It's going on in the These are people who cannot accurately tell you for sure if it's going to rain tomorrow. but yet they're telling us we need to change our lives because in six years, the entire global system is going to change because now we don't need millions of years anymore. I don't know, stuff drives me crazy. Look, education can be helpful, but it does not hold all the answers to the human condition. You can hold every doctorate from every university in the world, and it will not satisfy you. Solomon thought wisdom and education would fulfill him, and he gave everything for it, and at the end, he says, this is utterly meaningless. But he doesn't stop there. Next thing, he tries pleasure. He said, I I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Everything he saw, he took it. I refused my heart no pleasure, any type of of pleasure at all. He said yes, and he got into it 100%. The man had 700 wives and 300 concubines who could fill in when the wives were not available. Why would anybody do this? One of the guys from Stevens Point campus sent me, he, he was just looking for at least one woman that would be in the mood. No, I don't think that's why he was doing that. You know. 700, hundred! I'm talking about sex, good Lord. Billy Graham said about Solomon, Solomon did what many people would like to do if they could afford it. He says, let's face it. Some people are as good as they are only because they cannot afford to be bad. It's <laughs> hilarious. Solomon says, verse 3, I tried cheering myself with wine, embracing folly. I mean, anything, party, woohoo And people are still doing this to this day trying to get smart, get some insight. Ooh, that'll change it. doesn't change anything. Solomon says it's meaningless. Ooh, let's go party. Let's go. And anyone who's ever struggled with alcoholism or drug abuse knows that that thing will own you and destroy your life. It is all totally meaningless. Well, Everybody says money. Money, 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 money. Ooh, that'll change everything. No. Solomon was one of the richest men the world has ever known. Arguably the richest man in the history of the world. The guy had everything. He had 40,000 horses. <laughs> Can you imagine the hay bill? <laughs> he sat on a throne of solid ivory that was completely covered in pure gold. <laughs> if you're going to cover it in pure gold, it could be sticks. What do you care at that point? But no, it's all solid ivory covered in pure gold. The homes, the palaces he had. The Bible tells us how much he was paid, his annual salary. Check this out. 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, verse 14. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly, he was paid in gold, (laughs) not just dollars, in gold, was 666 talents, 666 talents, uh, which means 25 tons. His annual salary was 25 tons of gold. Now, I looked last night. An ounce of gold is a little over $1,500. 25 tons is 800,000 ounces. 800,000 times $1,500 is $1.2 billion a year. That was his take home salary with no taxes. Say, so well, there's, there's billionaires today. No, 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 no. There's billionaires today, like Donald Trump or whatever, because they don't have a billion dollars in cash. It's their assets. You add up and then they're worth a billion dollars. This guy in cash, $1.2 billion every year. Wealth like the world had never seen. Remember, God says, because you didn't ask for that, I'm going to give it to you anyway. So he's loaded like no one has ever been loaded. And you know what he said? It's all worthless. It's all worthless. It's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Psalm 37 says, better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Timothy, we read, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierce themselves with many griefs. Don't get caught up with the love of money. Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Other translations say, or lose their own soul. At the end of the day, what the world has to offer is meaningless and empty. It does not, nor can it, satisfy. So, well, what does? God can. People are looking for joy, peace, fulfillment in their life. They can't get it because they're spiritually dead. But you come to Christ, you're born again, and now the Spirit of God fills you and you become alive. And it's a whole new ballgame. The fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians says, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is what everybody wants, this list. You know where you get it from? The Spirit of God. First Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. I'm telling you, when you start walking around, and this is why we do what we do. It's why we gather. Most people in Green Bay are at the Green and Gold Cathedral this morning, okay? (laughs) Gathering for this is not that big a deal. Oh, there's other Christians that do it too, but I'm just saying it. The reason why we gather and do what we do, because we give, that we sacrifice, we celebrate, we sing and we praise, is because of this joy that comes into your life when you encounter the living Christ. And now everything that is meaningless, now we start to enjoy meaning. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's what everybody's looking for. When you're truly allowing Christ to fill your life and the spirit of God to fill you with joy, people will notice. I can't tell you how many times I've been going around and people will ask me if I'm drunk (laughs) or if I've been smoking something. And I'm just smiling. What have you been smoking? Oh, nothing. I remember once I was in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And uh, we were standing on a corner, a street corner. We had to go to the uh, passport office to get something. And then we had to wait a couple hours for them to do whatever they had to do. This was decades ago. It's like 1975 or whatever, and we're just standing on the street corner, waiting for this thing. And me and my buddy and I, ha- I have a, uh, a briefcase, and in the briefcase are the papers and stuff, and my Bible's in there, you know. So we're, we're, I'm just standing on the corner, we're standing, just standing on that corner, and uh, and this guy slithers up to us and goes, "What you got in the bag, man?" I said, what? He goes, what you got in the bag? I thought, oh my gosh, he thinks I'm a drug dealer. Because I'm just going, happy? Thought I got drugs. So I go, I got some good stuff in the bag. He goes, really? I said, oh man, this stuff's amazing. He goes, let me, let me see it, let me see it. I said, okay, come here came around the corner and I got down. (laughs) Set out the briefcase. I popped it open. Grabbed the Bible and handed it to him. He goes, what do you do? Lick the pages? (laughs) I said, no, you, you read it. He goes, oh, man. Walks away. Um, but I'm telling you, you want a high? There's no high like the most high. Hallelujah. <laughs> Serving God. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. Get ready to serve communion. So the question this morning is will, are, where are you at? Have you been born again? Because whatever you're trying, and everybody feels it, they're all trying to fix this condition, but you can't. That's the thing. You can't do it. So well, I'm a, I'm a good person. It's not about being a good person. It's about letting Christ come into your life. And you're experiencing this new birth inside of you. And there's no other way you can get it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Well, I'll go to church a bunch. Well, just going to church isn't going to do it. You're, sitting in church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage. is going to turn you into a Buick. You've got to actually be changed. And Jesus can change you. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads. We're going to say a prayer together. If you've never truly opened your heart to Jesus... You pray this prayer with us this morning. You, too, can become born again. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your joy. Amen.